This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the program, Warning. This week, Dr. Hansen is sharing a message that was recorded September 10, 2005, where at Dr. Hansen's Sabbath service, Missionary Peter Turco shared a message. I never came here to judge you, but I came here to save you. Now, let's begin. You know, I was thinking, and as we look around and we saw what happened to New Orleans, we know that judgment is coming and God judges certain circumstances here and now with the hope of changing the hearts of people. Exampleship. Exampleship greatest witness that you have. It's not the words that you speak. It's your light. It's your exampleship, the things that you do, the way you treat others. There's such a need today for us to understand this. There's a need for us to understand the foundational problems and in everything. You know, today is psychology and psychiatry, you know, Today, when you go somewhere, somebody asks, well, did you have a good childhood? Did you have a bad childhood? How did your parents treat you? And all this. And uh, my dad treated me very well. Uh, He didn't speak the language too well. He was not old-fashioned. He was really up-to-date. He's just like God. God is up-to-date. You know, some people think he's old-fashioned. We have ministers that actually think they're smarter than God, so they change some of the scriptures to tailor-make it for their audience because it's no longer the flock. It's, it's an audience that they're trying to please and, and feed them a little philosophy and how you can live a better life. And some of them are a lot more concerned about your tithe than they are your soul. But Jesus spoke very seriously about that and he said what good if you win the whole world but you lose your soul what would you give in exchange for your soul and i can remember praying and uh, the holy spirit communicated a truth to me that was just awesome and i said why do you put such value sort of on a soul and he said your soul is worth more than all the things, all the toys, all the real estate, everything in this world, your soul, your one soul is worth more than all that. And we strive for everything else, but forget. Amen, the soul. Amen? Amen. And so you 
Think about that. Protect your soul. Protect it. You know, and his intention was, you know, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a real necessity. You know, you see a lot of people and things like that, and they just go one way. Well, you know, uh, grace is a license to sin. Uh, you know, uh, you can't out-sin grace, so everybody tries it, you know. But when you have television people that have programs and say you can't out-sin grace, God forbid, what are you talking about? Have you read any other part of the Bible? You know, I was uh, watching a, a thing at, at, at uh, I don't watch television, frankly. I just want to tell you this. I, I have a website, and I can get some places on that, and I'm very selective who I watch. And, and I watch the guys that tell the truth. You know, you have a pastor here that tells the truth. You know, and uh, the reason he tells the truth is because he loves you. And he's trying to caress your soul. <laughs> he's trying to keep your soul. Amen. Amen. Alive and well. Amen. Not dead and desensitized by television. Amen. So what happens, we're fighting against the elements because the moment we turn that on, we're being desensitized. Amen. Uh, we know little children that are sat there, babysitters in a little crib, and they're watching MTV. Is it MTV? God forbid, and this one specifically is related, is a, what's the physical problem? Autistic. Just listening to it, now, now he's, you know, just nothing, is concentration and everything. But if you take a look around when I was a boy, I was here in, in the 30s, I was here in the 40s, I was here in the 50s, and a lot of you weren't even here then. I was here in the 60s, I was here in the 70s, I here in the 80s, the 90s, and, and I've gone through, a, you know, life. I'd played pro ball, I, I was in Vietnam, uh, actually, and, and different places in the world. I was not fighting the war at that place, I was entertaining the troops uh, at that place. I was in Thailand and different places. And... Uh, when I was a kid and I did bad, a strange thing happened. And my father gave me a testimony many, many years ago, a prophecy that has panned out in these last 20 years or 30 years. He said, Peter, he says, when I did bad or came home with a bad mark or something, I, I really didn't because I knew I'd have to face the penalty a lot of times, you know, if I didn't study. And he turned around and he says, man thinks with brain, not butt. That's, that was a, straight, a tremendous psychology, uh, not psychology, a tremendous prophecy. Think what I'm saying, now just hold on to that. And so I'd come home one time and I did something wrong and he says, I told you be home at 7 o'clock, you're still out there playing hockey at 7 o'clock. I said, not hooky, dad, hockey. You know, I was at school, you know, but anyway, and these things, and when he said be home, you would be home. He could sing, he had a range of about four octaves, and the Metropolitan Opera wanted him, but you know what? He wanted to bring his wife over from the old, so he didn't take up any of those offers. He worked on the railroad, and that was it, and, uh, you know, owned restaurants later on and all this stuff. But what I'm saying, and, and I don't think this will hurt anybody today, how many understand that psychoanalyzing a two-year-old two child really doesn't work up? Now, Boris, don't you do that. You know, it's not nice for you to do that. You know, Dr. Freud said it was bad, and even Spock 
And the little boy, man, man, you know, and all that stuff. I, my dad didn't do that. He says, if you're bad, you'll get a licking and accordingly. So he would tell me it was a strange kind of a thing at that time. It was very noticeable and it happened. And, and I would have to pull down my pantaloons, pants and other. And uh, he would get this razor strap. Man, he used to shave with it, and man, it pained it. He weighed 235 pounds. He could run as fast as a deer. I know he caught me several times. <laughs> and, and stuff like that on the getaway. <laughs> he could start really fast. They wanted him in pro ball, but he didn't, just didn't want to play. But anyway, he turned around, and he'd take me over and put me over the chair. And he'd take this strap, and he didn't have to hit hard. You know, you knew the... And he would just go... Womp! And yeah! The brain would come from here right up here and lock in there. And it would lock there for six months, maybe even a whole year sometimes. You know, as soon as you began to go past his deadline, ooh, you know, I gotta go now, you know. And these things, but you want me to tell you something as suave as we've become and psychology is, I'll tell you something. You, Psychologists won't help you. Nobody will. The only person that can help you is Jesus Christ. The only person that can change your ways is, is through a surrender in completeness to him and say, take me, guide me, please, and all this stuff. You can get advice. You can get good counseling from your pastor. And usually he'll say, well, Jesus does it all. <laughs> you know, and everything. And he'll tell you and give you wisdom and how to deal with these issues and everything. Amen? But anyway, these things happened in my life. And all oh, about 25 years ago, I'm going to churches. And some of the churches don't have the pews like this. They have the wood pews. And over in Africa, man, them pews, they just had benches sometimes. And when they put a back on, I mean, you're crippled after a week because it would just be out of shape and, and things like that. Am I correct? <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, I began to notice they began to shorten the sermon time. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my word will never pass away. He said, I never came here to judge you but I came here to save you. So I'm not going to judge you, but the word that I have spoken will be your judge. We'll judge you. You know, this is the way we're supposed to live. How many know that this Bible is the roadmap that leads to Jesus, to heaven? This is your roadmap. You stray from a moment. You give an opinion here like this fellow did just recently, and you can send people to hell. You can virtually send them because there is a holy trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But there is an unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. And me, myself, and I is always trying to find the bottom line. How little do I have to do to get in heaven? Amen? Amen? And these are the situations. And these people, you know, this fellow specifically, but let me get to that. Remind me of that, will you, this fellow? <laughs> they began to sit, and I said, what are you doing? You know, I'd come to a conference, and they asked me to come in. I said, you've cut down everything. 
I mean, you're, you used to preach, and now, I mean, Sunday or Saturday was God's day. All day long we would spend, you would hear some guys preach for three hours, I never got tired. Never got tired. Amen? Do you ever notice how many have ever sinned and, and, and sat on a bar stool and stuff like that? Anybody here? Did you ever notice that you could sit on that bar stool and balance yourself even though you were drunk for hours? Amen. Looking for a girl or looking for a person or, you know, and whatever the situation. How many understand what I'm saying? Okay. And where we would sit anywhere. We'd go to a game. How many know you go to a football game? They're really not, you're not sitting in the deluxe seats, most of the people. And you sit there and, you know, scream and everything like that for hours, you know, get beer thrown at you, you know, different things like that. So they began to tell me, well, psychologists have proved that they can't concentrate too long. If this is sore, then they can't concentrate. You know, they're fidgeting and all this stuff. I said, my dad was right. 25 years ago, he said the butt would, <laughs> would govern the brain. Okay, so they short, the span. But he never said, listen, what will shorten your concentration span is television. Well, what will shorten it is these ads that keep coming on every few minutes and flick on. Amen? And, and things like this. And you're going like this and, you know, like this to get away from it. And then you get into everything else that isn't good for you. Amen? Amen. And even today they're promoting psychiatrists are promoting uh, pornography to enrich your life. He's not enriching your life. He's debasing you. Uh, he's destroying you. And that's the truth. And these are the things that are happening. There is nothing, nothing that can rise above love of God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. It's the greatest attribute that you can have. Love never fails. Come on. Amen. And how many know that we have made love a sexual exploitation? or so? That has nothing to do with love. If you love that person, you will not touch her. You'll preserve her soul. Amen. If you knew that, you know, we... People don't know that. They go with the, whatever is being taught, the modern thing. The modern thing today will kill you and send you to hell. That's the truth. Amen. Amen. And so you turn around and come to these conclusions and take a look at it. I, I one time added it all up and I said, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I really believe that. I'm not a very intelligent person, but he knows everything. So I rely on him. You know, he, he really gives... <laughs> <laughs> the answers. But if you do, some places that I've gone, I don't go there. And they don't want to invite me anyway because I've never spoken a sermon in 20 minutes in my life. You know, in Africa, if, if you preach less than a couple of hours, the people feel they were cheated. This is true. And how much learning can you go through 20 minutes? You know, especially when a lot of that's doing up with trying to, oh, your God just wants you to have all these wonderful things. <laughs> God wants to bless you. And I says, God forbid, where, where are we going with, <laughs> with this? Sorry, Ty. <laughs> anyway, and it's all blessing and it's all promise, but there are conditions in everything. And this person 
from the Crystal Cathedral was saying something. And he said, here it is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. All these things will be added unto you. I said, did I hear him right? I said, he missed the whole middle section. He knew he had missed it. He purposely told them a lie. At the end of the scriptures, you're going to find two scriptures that says, if you add anything to this word, I will add the plagues. If you subtract, I'll subtract your name from, amen? We don't make false promises. We don't say God wants you to have a Cadillac. God wishes that you would prosper, as John said, but he wants your soul to prosper first so you can deal with the issues of life. Amen. Amen. He wants you to be like his Son, we ought to walk as Jesus walked. But I turned around and some were 20 minutes, some were 30 minutes, some were this. And he says, you know what, uh, brother, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of uh, got better motivations uh, and we've got, uh, you know, better ideas. And I says, you don't have better ideas than God. He said to Joshua, meditate on my word day and night. You know, when I told people, I don't tell people, read a couple of scriptures. I said, put your heart into the scriptures. You know what? Instead of watching the young and the restless or the old and the pooped, just get into the scriptures. (laughs) Just get into the scriptures and (laughs) read that. Amen. And they turned around, and, and uh, I figured it out. And I, this is not exact, but you figure it out. Go home and figure out if it was based on school year. You know, if you wear, you know, the children go to school uh, four hours a day, five hours a day, and whatever. And you, if you, based on a school year, if you were to get 20 minutes of teaching, 30 minutes of teaching, or an hour of teaching, if you get an hour, then you would graduate from grade one, I think it is in 20 years, 30 years. If it's 30 minutes, you can cut that in half. It was 50 years, something like that, 40. Now, don't, 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 don't exact me. But if it's 20 minutes, I'm sorry, if it's an hour, it was, you know, that. If it was 20 minutes, it was 100 and some years. You know what? As soon as that hit my mind, you know what hit my mind? The scripture that says, my people suffer because of a lack of knowledge because they reject knowledge. Hosea 4, 6, and 7. Amen? You need to be into the scriptures. You're going to grow in the scriptures. My mentors, my teachers said that was before a lot of things. Discipleship was bigger then than Bible college, folks, I'm telling you. And they would say Bible college, they'd have a listing, you know, 70 books, 60 books that you'd read over a period of time and all this stuff. I said, why? And my teachers always told me, read the scriptures through and through. So I would read the scriptures through at least three times a month, okay? But the New Testament, I'd read the Old Testament as well, but the New Testament. And three, so I'd, I'd read them 36 and, you know, and, and uh, Brother John can tell you, we travel and, and my wife, and we play the cassettes. We take the cassettes with us. We don't get out of the church, you know, we don't do that. 
We don't do that. We, we have amazing grace on her <laughs> or something like this, you know. And I got out of the church one time. I'm in the church lot and these guys got on there. They looked so saintly and they got in, boom, 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 you know, enough bass to blow you out of the parking lot. So let's just take a look at this for a moment because I want to deal with you with an issue here. There are really two principles in life if you really come down to it and everything comes out of that. Okay, everything comes out of that. Uh, do you believe me so far? <laughs> All right. Here is the situation. There's good and there's evil. Okay? The first selfish person that was, it was Lucifer, I guess, and, and the angels that went with him. Okay? Sin is not the source. Okay? You know, we're mentioning sin and all this stuff. Selfishness is the root of every sin. Selfishness. The moment that self, remember what Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Amen? And these are things that we have to understand. So selfishness is the root of all sin. That's the me, myself, and I syndrome. Okay? And these are the things. So God turned around and, and listen. Last year, how many times did we go through the scriptures? We're traveling all the time, folks. We went through the, the New Testament 265 times. I know pastors that have never read through the whole Bible once. This is true. You don't have to. You know, you can just look in the, in the websites. You can go down any Bible bookstore and get your messages for a year there. It says sermons for the pastor for a year. I don't want their sermons. I want the Holy Spirit to be the dictating factor in my life. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need this morning. Amen. So there's something here that's going to fill a need in your life, I pray. And if you just respond to it, if you open your heart and your mind, because a lot of things that we treat as doctrine is men's traditions, but another one is men's opinion. Do you know Jesus Christ never extenuated his own personal opinion? Amen. Never. And I'll, I'll prove that to you. But if you take a look, Joshua... God is talking to Joshua. God is, how many remember God talked to Moses? Amen. Amen. How many know God, the Holy Spirit, wants to talk to you? Amen. Amen. And how many know that a lot of times we would like to go like this when he does? Amen. And then, of course, he uses what? Apostles. He uses prophets and, and evangelists. And, and preacher, amen, pastors. You want me to tell you something? It seems to be just one of those people. You know, they might have some teachers, but it's just the pastor today in some of the places. You know why the church is not strong? Because the three most important ministries are not there. You know, you, can, you have to stay straight when there's somebody comes in that is a prophet or an evangelist who's on target with God. I mean prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, not P-R-O-I-F-I-T. Okay, because there's some that want to profit by. Okay, but you're not going to profit by the experience. Amen? Okay, let's take a look. He's given, let's go at five. Joshua 1, 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days. I'm sorry, I didn't give you a shot at that. Okay. 
There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. President Bush is trying to give it to the Arabs and has part of it. We're going to be in trouble, folks. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Be strong. Have courage. Don't buckle, folks. When somebody comes up to you, you are representing the God and creator of this universe. Amen. And you can say, this is my concern. This is my case. This is your need. Well, why are you telling me that? Because I care for you. Amen. Today in Canada, they're arresting and finding people who speak out against homosexuality. How many know that God burnt down Sodom? Amen. And Gomorrah, how many understand that? Amen. This is not a lifestyle. Come on. This is a perversion. Amen. So the thing is that we have to understand in, in that situation, somebody came to me and he says, well, what about you, pastor? What do you think about this? I said, uh, you know, we're supposed to be tolerant. I says, wait a minute. Where did it say that? I said, where does it say that? Are we tolerate murder? Are we to tolerate our children going out and taking dope? Are we to tolerate adultery? Are we to tolerate these things? What are you talking about? We're to tolerate. We're to liberate. We're the liberators that were put here by God. We're here for instruction to be disciples so we can go out and communicate the words of life to everybody that we can come in contact with. We're not to be fearful. Be of courage. Amen. Pick up the phone. Talk to somebody. I care for you. You know, they don't even understand what that means. They think that love is taking a girl out and buying her two McDonald's cheeseburgers and then saying, let's go to bed now. After all, I bought you. Amen. I loved you so much that I bought you two McDonald's cheeseburgers for 50 cents. You know, they pay more for you <laughs> in other places. This is true. But it is, doesn't even come down to that now because the young people have been watching TV and they are the idols to them. They have become what they've seen portrayed. Yes. Amen? And we're not to be that. We're not to be that. We're to be a light in the community. So he says, be of strong, be of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance of the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong, again, and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. How many know that God wasn't talking about a chariot? How many know that God wasn't talking about, you know, real estate? How many know? God was saying, listen, prosper, live right, live holy, live pure. Amen. And do what I commanded you. Obedience is the main thing. I obey my God. Amen. And if you talk about judgment, remember what the Holy Spirit came part of it is? To convict us of what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
Amen. So this is wrong. He wants to be in there. He wants to talk to you. And a lot of people turn around. I was a Catholic and, and I got baptized when I was, you know, 14 days or something like that. And I can remember when I, somebody came to me and he said, have you been baptized? <laughs> I said, well, I've been baptized. I was going to be a, a priest. I was really going to the seminary when I was 15, 16. And, and uh, my, my uh, priest was not a, not a man of sin. He was really, you know, as far as I knew, he was really lived it right and really preached a straight gospel. Now, this is true. But he had one major concern, you know, Mary. You know, we don't pray to Mary. We pray to Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Amen. And I turned around, and I found out that, he says, you're going to go to purgatory for a refinement. I found out there's no. I said, all these years, you know, I'm living this kind of a life, going down, communicating to the priest my sins. You know, of course, I didn't have very many. I think I was three when I last committed one. <laughs> well, at that time, but I actually, I was only three, three years and one day old <laughs> at that time. But how many understand what I'm saying? And there was no going. You're not going there. You know, and when the fellow says baptized, and he was a Baptist, actually, and he, he was a thing, he says, well, Peter, you've got to get baptized. I says, baptized. Jesus came up out of the... Come on, I'd read the gospel. I'd trained on there. Jesus came up out of the water. He didn't come out. There was a little tube on his head or somebody sprinkling in the That wasn't the way it was. Amen? So these were the circumstances, okay? And the reason for that, and I don't want to get away from this, is because when I did this, and I got baptized, my mother got baptized, she was a Catholic, and others got baptized in our family, I repented. Nobody went through, say these words and you'll be saved forever. I don't believe that. I still don't believe that. I don't swallow that. Saying words doesn't mean anything. It's a transition of the heart. It's the new creation. And so I turned around and I learned this from my people, professors, and I believe. How many believe that? That's what it says. Faith, have faith in the scriptures and all of the scriptures. Believe, confess your sins. I confessed every sin that I ever committed. And again and again and again. You want me to tell you something? Tomorrow the devil will throw that sin back up in your face or my face. And I say, are you kidding? Come on. I've already you know, repented of that sin, confessed and repented of it. Amen? And then what? Repent. For the remission of sins. Or repent, I'm sorry. Okay. Where have I got you? Believe. Confess. Be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how it came. Okay? And I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was not a feeling necessarily. I didn't even speak in tongues then. It was one day, oh, maybe three months later, I'm walking along and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, and it was tongues, you know, and that was it. But what I found out was there was a, a change in my life. I had confessed my sins. And repentance means giving back to those that you've taken from. Sometimes we owe somebody something. Amen? And how many realize we don't reimburse them? You know, we made a loan and, and all this. Now God is going to forgive that. No, he holds you to, to your promise and things like that. Okay? So anyway, that was the necessary things that I, it wasn't 
sing. And I had a pastor, Simon, and you met him, Kibaru, over in, uh, in Uganda. And he would go out and he'd come back and he says, today we led 90 people to the Lord. I said, well, gee, that's tremendous, you know. And the next day he went out and did the same thing. Well, he was doing it within an hour time, an hour time span or something. The Holy Spirit began to say, you need to kind of check this out. So I said, Simon, come on in here, bring the disciples in here because they were out there and he was training them and he was a pastor and everything. And I said, let me tell you what has transpired. You're missing. You're, you're no longer doing what the scriptures tell you to do. You're no longer doing this. And he says, what are you doing? I said, let me tell you. And the disciples were looking a little uneasy. And I said, is this what Simon said? And they were at the garbage pit and they usually are there sniffing glue or sniffing petrol, gasoline, okay, getting heady on it. And some of them might have a little money, so they smoke bang. That's marijuana, they call it. And I said, did you not come there? And you said, is there anybody here want to go to hell? And everybody said, no, <laughs> no. I, I said, is that true? And they said, yes. They nodded there. I said, did you say, how many here want to go to heaven? And they said, yes, yes. And he says, just repeat after me. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Jesus, I believe that you're the Lord and the Savior. Uh, and Jesus, I, whatever it was. But the repentance wasn't there. The believing wasn't there. It was just a recital, a repetition. Doesn't mean those other things come into play. We change. The heart changes. Old things have passed away and everything has become. Amen? Okay. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosper, and then thou shalt have good success. Amen? That's for you too. Do you understand? Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. How many remember in Matthew where it says, go and teach them to observe all things that I have taught you, all things that I have taught you. Amen? And then he turned around and said the same thing, I will be with you to the end of the age, I will be with you always. Okay? How many understand that? How many believe that Philippians 4.13, I'll just get this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means all the good things that he requires. It doesn't mean getting drunk. It doesn't mean doing any of these things. Amen? And what I want to do is I want to bring you just... Let me get this and clarify this. And, and I'll read this just from the notes. And I think, the greatest enemy of God and man is what? Is selfish. It's not the devil. The devil knows your selfishness. Okay, there are familiar spirits know all about you. Amen. And so what basically they do is they just appeal to your selfishness. They just appear. Okay? Selfishness, me, myself, and I, will always promote its own agenda and entrance with the Holy Spirit. The cure of all this for malady is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Submit to him so that he might exercise his fruit through us. As the Word of God states, love never fails. 
The victory won when we deny the temptations and allow love to flow out of our hearts like a never-ending river. Amen? The whole thing is, by nature, unfortunately, we are selfish. Okay, even when children are so little that they don't understand, they'll cry aloud, amen, because they want something. And do you ever notice that you will bow to their will? You know, just to give them something that you shouldn't necessarily give them. They were telling me a family were driving down the road, they went by McDonald's. Okay, and the little child was only three months or four months old. Because ah, ah, he'd already been brainwashed by McDonald's. Amen? And the tragedy is to see that some of the people turned around and really, really tried to feed that little child. You know, these things chewed it up and, and did everything like that. Okay? So here we have a situation where there are two situations in the world. And, and if I can say that, the flesh, which is me, myself, and I. Okay? The flesh. Uh, sin, uh, everything that comes there. Selfishness births every sin. Okay, so selfishness is the cause. Amen? All right. And so when we turn around and, uh, of course, we do all these things, then we're in the devil's kingdom. Okay? Because the devil himself is the most selfish individual. Okay? And he is... His whole purpose in the world for you as God's creation is what? John 10.10, 10, he came to kill, steal, and destroy you. Destroy your relationship, amen? Destroy your relationship with God and other people. Main thing, amen? And his whole thing is to really mislead because he's a liar and he's the king of all liars and uh, and everything like that so his whole thing is to create a deception he's the greatest deceiver that ever was okay and we turn around and everything he is the lord of this earth how many understand that it says that in the bible he is the lord of this earth amen so his whole focus and function is to destroy you, to destroy your soul, amen, to take you to eternal hell with him. That's his purpose in life. How many believe what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. Amen. And so there's a need for us to understand that. That's why we have to repent. That's why we have to be born again. But if we're going to be losers, and that's what we are, we're losers while we're in his camp. Oh, we feel good. We can even be making a lot of money and we can seem to be successful. But really what we are is we're failing. Okay, we're failing and we're blinded to the facts. Okay, because we lust after money. We lust after these things that please the flesh. All right? So that's the whole situation. When you get on it, you're on the blind, you're going the wide road, and there's an end to that, and it's an eternal end, which is terrible because it never ends. Okay? Never ends. All right? And then the other situation requires, it requires a salvation process. We've mentioned that. But the most important thing that you understand from this is that your obligation 
is to God above everybody and everything, above your family. He's supposed to be your first love. How many understand what that is? So, you know, you might have beautiful children, and that's fine. We've got children, and, and we love the children. But they don't take first place. The moment that they take first place, God becomes secondary in your life, or even thirdly or fourthly. You might have beautiful daughters. You know, uh, uh, the pastor has three. You know, two are married now. One is still single and just serving God and, and everything like this. Amen. But the factor remains, I don't doubt each one of them understands this, that he does love God with all his heart and soul, mind and strength, and his neighbor as himself. Okay, those two commandments. And I want to bring that to your understanding in this sense, when somebody came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to be saved? One of them said, and uh, he said, uh, keep the commandments. And the young man said, I did. I've kept all the commandments. I don't know if any of us can say that. Okay, we've never kept all the commandments. But do you notice that really you're not where people will tell you that you cannot stop sinning? How many know that you can stop sinning? How many know that you can be holy? Amen? Because without holiness, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. How many know that's why the Holy Spirit comes in and helps you to become holy? Amen? He comes in and transpires. He makes it. The old man dies and the new man he begins to create in you that person that God intended you to be. Okay? But you have to walk the walk. It's not just talk to talk, but you have to walk the walk. How many understand that? So what we have to do is we're understanding that, okay, here it is. Selfishness is our greatest enemy. Selfishness is destroying the world. Selfishness is destroying Saddam Hussein. That was selfishness. Idi Amin, that was selfishness. And a lot of the things that the... Uh, I, I hate to say this, the Democratic Party, maybe some of you are Democrats or Kennedy, but Kennedy and all these guys are trying to destroy America, okay? And they're in the devil's influence. That's just the way it is. You know, you don't do and say what they say, okay? Bush is still the president of the United States, President Bush, and he is trying to do right. I, unfortunately, you know, in politics, uh, they play the wrong game. And you never know who you select until after they're serving in the court and different places. Amen. The guy can be a total reversal. And we pray that he isn't because he looks like a good person, you know, and a good person to be what he intended him to be. So what we have to come, it's a transition okay, to the Corinthians 2, 5, 17. We're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and everything has become new or is becoming new, okay? So how does that happen? That happens through confessing and repenting our sins. Repentance is a big necessity in the church, and the problem is that not too many people are preaching it anymore. How many understand that? I, I have people that, you know, go to different churches. And I was 
just talking with them in L.A. just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, this is a, a four-square church, and one of them is an assembly. They have not asked anybody or told anybody about repentance in a sermon or had an altar call in that in uh, maybe six months or seven months. How many understand that during that period of time you could really be in trouble? How many understand that? How many believe what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen. So everything here, and, and as we said, where Jesus spoke to this, but he also spoke to a scribe, and he says, uh, uh, what is the most important commandment? And he says, number one is to love God, soul, mind, and strength in Mark, and your neighbor as yourself. And that's what our, those are what our duties are. Okay, to God, we're to love him totally. If we love him totally, how can we sin? Amen? How many understand what I'm saying? Amen? If we love him totally, we're not going to do anything wrong. If we love him totally, we're not going to take somebody out and try and fulfill the lusts of the flesh or whatever the situation. We're not going to cheat anybody. Amen? But number one, when we're obligated to God, and we know that God hates sin, how many understand that? He, we're not going to commit sin. We're going to do what is good. Amen? And then we have to, the best way of learning that is by studying the Word of God. Okay? I'm going to ask you a question. I'm, I'm not just... I believe that just a conscious question that will bring to a consciousness of, of perhaps uh, the inability or the desire to do something but never doing it, okay, like this. How many of you have read through this one time? Totally. Praise God. How many have never read through it once? What I'm trying to say is this is really what you want to do. And a lot of people here, I just ministered at a church, and my goodness, there was just three or four. But I ministered at a conference with pastors, and my gosh, it was a, a woman, his wife got up. She says, well, does that mean over, uh, you know, the 30 years we've been in ministry? And I said, God forbid, you know. One time. She had, but spasmodically. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, and we go home. This is the most precious book in the world, okay? This has got it all in here. Amen? And we go home, or stuff like that, and we turn on something totally destructive to our psyche, to our everything. Amen? Instead of reading this. And husbands and wives, you know, read this together. But if you turn around and read this and people say, oh yes, but I think that's a little too much. I've never found it was too much. I found out that when somebody questions you or if somebody speaks, and that can be at a, at a conference, you can call them aside and say, by the way, pastor, where did you hear that? Oh, Benny Hinn. Oh, I see. Okay. That's okay. Oh, oh, oh. the Crystal Cathedral, eh? Why didn't you check them out with this? Amen? These are the words that he spoke. I have not, but the word that I have spoken will judge you. Amen? So we want to do the word and hear the word and do it and do it properly, okay? Now we have to understand that we must all be born again. We must be born again. How many breathed a sigh of relief at that point? Doctor, were you, did that, was that you? 
<laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> amen? We have to understand, uh, amen, that your love will have the greatest influence in your community because your love is a light. And as the years have progressed here in America, we have begun, most churches have begun to fall away from outreach. Outreach. Amen. How many believe what I'm saying? Amen. And if you want somebody to reach out, you take them out of your home environment and go to Jamaica. No, no, we'll leave that. We'll <laughs> you take them out of your home environment okay, like in California, and you go across to Tijuana, or you go across to Juarez from Texas, and boy, the people begin to preach, and they begin to just really come out of it. The only thing is you can't afford to send somebody out of their hometown to another place. But the moment that you tell them that we're going to have outreach on so-and-so street, downtown L.A., Hollywood, and they live in, well, I can't be there. Because they're afraid that somebody will see them. God, I want to be seen. I want to be seen. I'm interested in the souls of people. I want people to go to heaven. I want everybody to go to heaven. I mean that. And I think that reaching out, you know, shows, and, and God expects us to reach out. Hallelujah. And, and some of them. So there's a necessity. Amen. And for us not to be fearful, but for us to turn around and reach out to the community. How many believe what I'm saying is true? Remember this, because a lot of times some people turn around and the greatest thing, they might, as a matter of fact, the best thing to do is know the salvation message, how you can communicate it, because a lot of people don't say it. First thing they offer them is a healing and a Cadillac. And Jesus never said that, I'll give you a Cadillac if you receive me. Okay, so a lot of people are turning around and say, well, Jesus will heal you if you just become, he didn't say that. But he said, if you pray and you believe and you lay hands on the sick, that can transpire. Okay? So, if you want to be a loser, just stay selfish. But if you want to be a winner, okay, be a lover in the true context of the word. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want to close off with two things. There was a young man and a young girl that got married and they used to go out Friday night with the crowd and meet them after work. And they'd have a few drinks. They were not alcoholics. They were not drunkards. But uh, they got drunk once in a while. But they did that. And they turned around. And on Saturday, they went dancing. They always went dancing and danced with friends. And uh, the girl one day was at home. Uh, she watched a Christian program on the radio. And uh, as they began to talk, it just really touched her heart, and she began. And God exposed her what they were doing about these men on the floor, and he pressing up to her, and she felt terrible about it. And she'd say to her husband, I really don't want to dance, even before, you know, this point. And he said, well, they're friends, you know, and all this stuff. And she got saved. She made a commitment, and it was Thursday or Friday, it was Friday because they were going to go out there. And uh, so he came home and he says, how are you, honey? He says, there's something different about you. Oh, she says, I'm all right. She says, I just uh, don't want to go. He said, what do you mean you don't want to go drinking? He said, are you sick? 
She says, no, I, I'm not sick, honey. I, I just don't want to go. I, I, I really don't want to go drinking. I can't. I mean, this was an immediate kind of a transition. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> she saw it, and she, she was born again right then and there. That, that just really happened to her. I, I can tell you that. And she turned around, and he says, well, well c come on. She says, well, honey, I don't want to go. And she says, why not? And he says, well, this afternoon, she says, I was, I was watching this show and uh, they were speaking about salvation and Jesus. And, you know, we're going down to this place and people. He says, well, we're, we are Christian. You know, we, we go to church, you know, and, and all this stuff. She says, but we're not Christian, honey. We're not born again. He says, well, what are you talking about? I was baptized when I was, you know, sometimes people think baptism is this in the Catholic religion. And he says, well, you're going anyway. You're going to go anywhere. I say, I won't drink. She says, you're going to drink. And she says, honey, I won't drink. I'll go if you force me to go, but I'm not going to drink. And she went there and, and he, oh, my wife's got religion. Now, he was saying he was a Christian there and he began to embarrass her and everything. This went on for about three or four weeks, five weeks. She wouldn't drink and she wouldn't dance with anybody, just him. And so he came home one day, and he was kind of bombed out of it. And he says, uh, we're going tonight, and you're going to drink. And uh, she went, said, I'll go with you, but I'm not drinking. He grabbed her face, and he poured it down her mouth. Never said a word. He took her home and beat her, hit her with, she had her glasses on, and gouged her eye, and all that stuff. And he says, tomorrow when you come, say, I'm not going to dance with you. This went on for, th this guy was a good, not a Christian, not a boy, but he would beat her. You know, maybe every 13 years this went on. And the pastor said, you need to leave him. He's going to kill you. She told everybody, she says, you know what? I made a vow till death do us part. I believe in that vow. You know, so many people are getting divorced because, you know, for no reason, nothing like that. She says, I will never. He came home that day, dropped down on his knees. He was weeping. He says, I don't know, honey, how you could have put it. I've done these horrible things to you. And she turned around and she just had forgiven all before. And I just wanted to kind of find out and listen, you know, to what they had to say with regards to your experience. And he says, and I made a decision for Jesus and I'm going to live for Jesus. Well, I can tell you, two years later, three years, this guy was a pastor and he's a powerful pastor. But his wife kept that marriage together because she loved him. She loved him beyond the beatings. Jesus loved us beyond the beatings. Amen. He died and paid the wages for our sins. Amen. And the thing is that today, I know guys that have been divorced and married four or five times. One of them is a born-again Christian, Mickey Rooney. I think it's 13 times now. Amen. But lastly, and I want to close off with this. I was thinking of the love of Jesus supersedes all the love that how he died on the cross. And I was thinking there were three areas, I guess. And he was on the cross. You know, he had been beaten. How many have seen that movie? Amen. You saw what he suffered. And he turned around and he's on this cross, never forgetting who he is. He's the Savior of the world. Amen. Savior. Never ever forgetting the love and the light. Never ever forgetting to care for people. Amen. He could have turned around in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Father, take this cup from me. And if the Father had to said, well, it's your choice or something, he said, nevertheless, 
Thy will be done. And that's what we have to do in ourselves. We have to do the will of God in everything that we do. have to be a light. We have to do the highest good in everything. And the highest good is that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and that your actions would measure up to all that. Okay? He's on the cross. Two thieves are there. They're berating him at the beginning. And then one turns around and says, well, if you're really uh, who you say you are, come down from the cross and take us with you, basically, and, and save us. Save yourself and save us. He never said a thing. Never said a thing. The other took up his defense. And he says, you and I deserve what we're getting. But he never did anything wrong. He said, Lord, remember me. What? Amen. And he said, you'll be with me tonight in Paris. Amen. You'll be with me. There's bleeding. He's been suffering. I mean, suffering. Amen. He never forgot he was the Savior of the world. Amen. And this person turned around and the last moment you say, you know what I would have said, I think? Can't you see? I'm nailed to the same. Can't you? I'm in pain. I'm hurting. Amen. A lot of people, I'm hurting today, Pastor. I can't come to Bible study. You know, different things. Amen. They th you know, whatever it is. Then he did something that probably in our time is things have changed, folks. I go and visit people at care homes. Uh, some of their kids never come to see them, and they come to see them one day a year because they can't stand to see them in their suffering state. They got their home, they got everything. Amen? But they don't visit. What a tremendous potential to visit people that really, really are forsaken in a sense. How many understand? And, and these things. And he looked down, and they don't care for their mother. You know when they care for their mother? And some of them I know that were on dope and everything. They care for their mother when they need money. And then they'll come to the house and say, Mom, I need $25 or $50. And one specific, she was just all crippled up. A young man that got converted, what a tremendous conversion. But he, she was crippled up, just crippled up, and had all kinds of things wrong with her. And he'd come home and she says, give me $20. She says, Ryan, I'm not going to give this. I love you too much to let you continue on this way. You give it to me or I'll kill you. And she would give him the trial. I mean, crippled. I mean, you know, the, the words. The guy got converted, got saved. But this situation, but here's Jesus, you know, the mother. Some children have killed their mother. They've killed their dads. How many understand? What I, I never saw that when I was a kid. Never saw that as I was a kid. Amen? And they turned. There was no love there because they've been brought up on selfishness, totally selfishness, portrayed on television and even in their actions. I'm going to give me what my kid never got. I'm going to buy him a $340 game of little boys kicking prostitutes in the head or stuff like this. God forbid! Why would you ever spend your money on a kid? Why not orphans over the world? Why not the work of God? Today we've got to save a world that's really disintegrating all around us. He looked down, and there was his mother next to John. And he looked at her, and he cared for her, and he says, Mother, this is your son. This is your mother. And from that point on, his mother was Amen? That's a tremendous example. Children, if they're children here, honor your parents. Honor your father. That's, 
That's promise. God will bless you. Amen. With a long life, not a short life. Amen. And then he turned around and did the greatest thing, probably of the three maybe, but how can love be greater in one thing? Love. He looked at the crowd that had crucified him. He looked at them that said, hey, cheering him one day and booing him the other. I remember when we used to play football like that, hey? Miss the pass and everybody booed you, <laughs> liked you the day before. Amen. They booed him. You know, they had booed him. They said, kill him. They said, forgive them. Amen. And we have an example to live up to. We have an opportunity to live because if we are, and we should be, if you haven't been baptized, you know, they do that frequently all the time, you know, and so they're prepared. So I leave you with this. Please forget the selfishness. Let it die. And that's what happens when we actually go through the baptism. We're supposed to die with. Amen. You're a new creation. It'll change your life. And you, you die to these things that have you, the things of this world. Whatever the situation can be, you know that it's not right. If it withholds your love, if it withholds your love, amen. Love one another. Church, love one another. Love your pastor. Pray for him. Pray for his wife. He's under attack all the time. Satan's always on his case. He's on Ty's case. And, every, and any of you that serve, he'll be on your case. I thank you for your attention. Pray that God will bless you in a mighty way. And uh, how many believe what I said was true? How many still love me? Okay. Praise God. No eggs or anything like that. Actually, I love you too. <laughs> Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the Independence Program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, Make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us. Because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629- 5248. And say a short prayer for us in your message. And leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless.